Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Okay. All right, all right, all right. So today is session two of Train the Coach. This is, uh, I looked at this, uh, I forgot this is a four-session program, but it's actually way deeper than that because you're getting the skeleton information of the program. And, um, um, you know, we're going to be practicing this throughout um, the rest of our lives. Really. But I like the idea of you... Oh, hold on a second. Okay. So, um, yeah, I was getting feedback, so I'll put you on uh, mute, Tim. I'll let you know when you're off mute. The, um, you know, what I see, what I really liked about what happened for you guys last week is that you role-played and started using some of the distinctions in practice. So what I'm thinking about now is what we can do is, um, I'll put you both on mute because both of y'all are getting feedback. I'm like, where's this feedback coming from, man? Okay. So I'll put you both on mute. I'll take you off in a second. I was just getting feedback, and it's, like, annoying. Anyhow, um, uh, what, I, what I see is what you guys like, because Tim was like, you got to give me the real meat, is that we should have a discussion, whether it's one-on-one or in a group. Probably it's going to be one-on-one because it will be organic, where you, get, where you guys can talk to me about what you got last week or ask me questions or bring your life to it so I could find a way to include it in you. Because right now, what I have this is, is a list of things to know about, uh, which is good, but it's also, um, you know, like I don't have an opportunity for you guys to interact with others around us. You'd be listening to yourselves and all of that good stuff, but really um, I can see why and how it could be, um, you know, useful to apply it in practice. And uh, I don't currently have a structure in this program to do that. I have that with other things, just not this particular program. So what I've seen now what we're going to do is I'm going to give you the skeleton on Thursday nights, and then we'll figure out a way throughout the week um, to, uh, you know, go in a little bit deeper or a lot deeper. And, um, you know, does that – that, I'm taking you guys both off mute now. Uh, does that work for you guys? I like it. Okay, Becca. Becca, are you there? Yeah. Okay, good. Does that make sense what I was saying, or you got a better idea? Works for me. Uh, okay. I don't know why I'm not hearing you, but I'm going to take your word there. I'm going to assume that you uh, agree <laughs> and you're aligned with me. Oh, there you go. Uh, a little bit. It makes sense. Okay, good. I heard that. It makes sense. All right, got it. All right. You guys got the most horrible phones uh, I've had with a client this whole year so far. <laughs> Man, you guys get the award. I swear to God. Is this better? Oh, that sounds so much better now. 
Okay. Me, Say it again. You gotta mute me, bro. I'm going to right now. Sorry. <laughs> All right, I muted him. Okay. So, um, I'm going to start in the session two. Matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just hurriedly go through um, the distinctions of uh, the first session, just so we have it on the recording here. What exactly is coaching? I went through that. Uh, what coaching is, how it works, how it can and will, what it can and will do for you, how to tell whether a coach is good or not, your job as a coach. I'm not going to go through this specifically. I'm just giving you the titles and the sections. Uh, types of coaching, three main types, accountability coaching. Second is strategy coaching. Third is techniques coaching. Then the coaching competencies. You need to be able to identify goals, track goals, and then make course corrections as the goals are, are not working or you're exceeding them. Um, and then you need to determine whether the person you're speaking with, communicating with, coaching is, is coachable. And that's, you got a coachability index. And then there's different places where a client could be emotionally and mentally, psychologically at any time. five places. Um, then you want to understand whether or not you or your client is being independently responsible in other words, effective without support um, or effective with support, but they know how to be effective either way. Uh, you want to know where they are. Uh, then I talk about uh, uh, different um, types of uh, coaching techniques, uh, giving people back to themselves, helping them identify either what's missing or what's in the way, uh, teaching uh, and informing, um, uh, let's see, identifying goals again, going back to producing tangible results, and then uh, how to manage people, projects, and uh, that's where we're at. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at right now from uh, session one. Um, I just want to put it in so it's there in case you somehow need it or whatever, right? So uh, in one place. So I'm about to start uh, session two, the distinctions from session two. Ready? You guys ready? Yeah, let's go. All right, right, let's go. Okay, good. Good. All right, so what we're going to be talking about is something called coach-client communication. So it's the type of conversations that happen and how to interact with each of those conversations. This one, you're going to get it, but it's going to be like you're going to have to take something to work with it. So... Uh, this session isn't going to be quite as long as the first session, but you still need to go through it. So here we go. Coach-client communication. There is a coach speak. Um, so a coach speak is the languaging tools of coaching. That's what I, how I define it, coach speak. The languaging tools of coaching. So there is holding people, holding your clients accountable. There is inspecting your clients. There is empowering your clients. There is instilling rigor. There is the concept of mastery. And then there is the part part called completion. So you want to be able to uh, dig into all of those things. You're going to need to know how to ask those questions or make the statements or dig in in every way you go. So I'm not going to start from the top. Holding clients accountable. 
uh, there's five things you need to be conscious of in this area. One is you can't step over anything because the minute you step over something, they're going to think, oh, I can get away with that. It's like parenting. You can't step over anything. Second is you need to be ruthlessly compassionate, meaning you want to give, you want to take care of them in the most loving way, and sometimes the most loving way for you to be, take care of somebody and get through to them is to kick their ass. So you got to understand how far do you need to go, and uh, but only as far as necessary and no further um, around being ruthlessly compassionate. The third thing in holding clients accountable is to get clear promises with timelines so you can check in on them around that. Number four is to eliminate backdoors, sliminess, you know, not wanting to, you know, do what they say they're going to use, do, use excuses. You want to eliminate all of those as an opportunity, as a possibility when you're making conversations with them, when you're making agreements with them, when you're coaching them and holding them accountable. There's no room for uh, back doors. And then uh, five is to have them restore their integrity around their agreements. And when I say restore, they actually have to acknowledge that they broke their word, say that with you, and, and get present to what it's like. And I'm not going to go into the details around that today, but, uh, but we will at some point uh, down the road. So um, before I go into uh, what all of that says, I'm curious to know, you know how you feel about you know what came up for you or what you think about these different statements. Um, stepping over nothing, being ruthlessly compassionate, getting getting clear promises with timelines uh, in the agreements, eliminate sliminess and backdoors with the agreements, and then have them restore their integrity when they break their word. So. Um, you guys need me to explain any of them, or you got it, or you got any questions, or what? I don't. I don't. Okay. Okay. Becca, say that again. Pretty self-explanatory to me. Okay. Good. 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 I, that's why I didn't try to go into it, but I, I figured it would be. But, he, but here's what happens. I'm just going to say. Um. Most people have no idea, have no real relationship to honoring their word. And when people don't honor their word and you hold them accountable, they will first try to throw on you blame and defensiveness. Don't oh, blame yeah. me. Like, it wasn't my fault or something like that. They get real defensive real quick, and it's triggerable. It's like an it, like automatic reaction. And so you, you, you really need to be responsible for the fact that the odds are they're going to, at least at first, until they realize they can't pull that on you no more, which you need to get them to the point where they're like, I'm not even trying it with my coach. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Um, and it, it's not like you want to be a bully, and sometimes you might have to be with certain people. But, um, yeah, you, you want to be like, hold them accountable, like make sure that they're doing what they say they're going to do because they ain't going to be able to be successful with your coaching them if they don't do what they say they're going to do. They only said, did, they, only said they was going to do something if uh, uh, it made sense at the time they said it. 
Right. You know, so people that's not on time, you know, um, people who, like y'all, people who, y'all wasn't on time this time. Y'all was, y'all was working it hard. I, I cut y'all some slack this time, but if I, if y'all was a regular coach, coaching client, they're like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what happened exactly? And I would go in, you know, <laughs> and I would have like, I would have Tim be somewhere where he's already quiet or let me know ahead of time that it's not going to be. So I could be responsible for that because one of the things about integrity is you can't always keep your promises, but you could be in communication as soon as you know you can't keep your promise. That's being respectful of the person that you're dealing with. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Uh, brother man, that makes sense? Yep. I got you. Gotcha. Okay, good. I'm putting you back on mute, man, because you're noisy, damn it. <laughs> 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 I hate to cut off his laughter because he laughs good, so it's all right. So uh, that's holding clients accountable, um, <coughs> those five things. You'll think of some more stuff, but, like, that's your guidelines for being able to hold them accountable. And a, a coach that doesn't know how to hold their clients accountable, unless he's doing something else that's so amazing they don't want to get rid of them, they're going to treat him less than respectful, her, less than respectful, whatever. So I just want to put that in. You you use it. It's actually a like a last-ditch thing kind of. You don't want to have holding your client accountable be the basis of your coaching unless that's your methodology. But, you know, really it's like you want them accomplishing goals and producing results. So, you only use that to the degree that you need to do that in order to have them accomplish their goals and produce results. So so that's that. Then the next thing is inspection. So inspection is, you know, really like being a CSI investigator. You want to see what's going on. Hey, how you doing? What's got, what you got? Blah, 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 blah. So there's five areas that you want to inspect at all times. You may not be thinking about it, but, you know, if you get any inkling, you got to inspect. So one of the things you want to dissolve is um, them being a uh, habitual, um, what I call, thought thoughter. So there's a difference between having thoughts and actual thinking. And a lot of times people will collect information and knowledge, but they never really examine the ideas, the knowledge that they receive. And so they hold on to it like it's the truth. And because they hold on to it like this is the truth, they end up missing the truth somewhere else. So um, that's that's part of why people are, could be um, racist and hold on to their racist opinions, even though life around them is proven and showing them otherwise. Um, let's see, um, you know, people who you can't change their mind, they're uncoachable. You want to listen and you want to find ways to dissolve their automatic ways of thinking, their automatic opinions and stuff. So that's one of the things you will listen for so that you can, and you're inspecting it so that they can begin to stop doing it. Because if a person can't and won't be willing to new information, they won't know when the information that they think is so valuable becomes obsolete. And then they can't even breathe never mind, produce results and be happy in their life. So if a person doesn't give themselves permission to get access to the possibility that what they're thinking or saying or doing is becoming obsolete, 
um, they won't be shocked when they lose whatever it is that they're trying to hold on to. Does that make sense? Is that like dissolving core beliefs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not dissolving core beliefs. It's inspecting core beliefs and teaching them how to inspect. You know? Yeah, go ahead. Self-examination, right? I, uh, I can't hear, man. Bring him out to the mic closer, closer. I said like a self-examination. Yes. Yes. You want to teach them to examine themselves and teach themselves how to self-examine, correct? Not, not just examine themselves, but the things that they learn, the things that they heard, they can't just accept things on face value. And you can't either. Right. Makes sense? So, so in essence, you want to raise their awareness. Yes. It's more than raise their awareness. It's raising their ability to become aware. Because exactly. raising their awareness will be in a particular area. But raising their ability to, to become aware will have them raise their awareness in every area. How was that Make done? sense? Yep. Well, we're going to get there. Yeah. How that's done is by asking them questions, having them check in with their answers to see if their opinions or their answers is, is really, really accurate, and don't fight it. Look at it. You're going to constantly be hearing them say stuff that they believe, whether it's accurate or not. So you want to enroll them, inspire them, have them be open to being open to how their thoughts and feelings are. Make sense? Yeah. Great. There's uh, a couple other things in this section, so let me let me go there because it might help you some uh, in, in, in this, you know. Um, Rebecca, you got anything you want to say about that? No. Good. Okay. Good. All right. The second thing is to stand only for authenticity. Like, they can't be BSing you or let, watching them BS themselves. Because when people are being inauthentic, when they're being less than vulnerable, they're trying to cover up something. And sometimes they don't know it, and sometimes they kind of do, and sometimes they fully do. So you want to get them to be as authentic as they were when they were two years old before they even know that there was a difference between authentic and not. <laughs> you know, you want them to be that way because, hey, listen, you know, there are times in life when you really should wear a mask. But in most cases, it's not really anywhere near as necessary as we think. But when it becomes a habit, then they can't get to the, their own truth, which means they can't get to their own results. Not the results. Not the results they want. Anyhow, makes sense. Right. Yeah, and it especially gets in the way of relationships. A person that can't be authentic can't really count on being in a relationship that works because they only be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't also who also doesn't really know that much about being authentic. Which means there'll be two people faking each other, and they will be wondering how come this relationship didn't work. And the other thing is that they'll be around people who can and are authentic, and they'll be like, you ain't authentic, I can't be around you. And so they'll be left with the only people that's left, which is people just like them, and it ain't going to work. 
So you gotta show them where they're being inauthentic and get to the get there. You know, support them in, in getting that handled. The next thing. Any other questions about that one? I'm good. Yeah. Well, I'd be surprised if y'all had a lot of questions because both of y'all are masterful at being authentic. Y'all cracked me up with your authenticity. When it ain't, when it, when it ain't, when it ain't touching, I mean, you know, you over there, you over there talking about, you know, the stuff you write, Ty and Tim, and you know, Becca shows us a picture of all those socks. I mean, you can't. It's hard to get more authentic than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so support your coaches in being authentic. Next, get to the truth quickly and thoroughly. Get them to communicate their truth as soon as possible, as, as, as thoroughly as possible. So getting to the truth quickly solves time. They're not BSing and, like, you know, adding extra words that don't necessarily need to be there. Um, and getting to the truth thoroughly helps them to actually get to the truth quicker the next time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You need to, the the sooner you get people to produce results, the quicker they'll be able to produce those results again, and the more reliably they'll be able to produce those results again. But they got to get a first time when they go like, "Oh wow, I didn't even know that was great," and then they want to do it again because they had the result, right? So, getting to the truth quickly, and then getting to the truth and getting having that truth be thoroughly truthful, like all the way, nothing left out. You want your you want your clients to be practicing in that. That's that about inspection. Next, you want to listen for how are they thinking? Are they thinking negatively, positively? Are they thinking you know opportunistically? Are they thinking defensively? Are they thinking you know they can't wait to get the thing over? Or are they falling asleep? You need to check in and see how they're thinking. There's a lot more to that with. But you can't just be listening to what they're saying and think that's all there is. Like you're, listen, like you're listening for what they're saying and you're listening for what they're not saying. And you're listening for their, um, how do I say it? You're listening for the principles that they live their life by. You're listening for audio in the present. You're really listening for how they're thinking. And there's a thousand different ways. And by the time we finish the third program, you'll have a lot more sense of how people could possibly be thinking. But in the, for the time being, what I'm going to say is you want to actually be listening for... Uh, i got to put you on mute, bro. Okay. That's all right. Yeah. Sorry, I put you on mute, man. I'll bring you off in a minute. Um, I couldn't even hear myself talk for a minute there. Woo. Um, <laughs> oh my god, I'm getting used to being able to talk when I can't. I can't tell somebody listening or not. But I still don't like it, you know. So, uh, <laughs> so you really got to be listening for how they're thinking, even if you can't track it. You can at least you can tell whether they're really on the same page you are or not. If when you're talking to them, you guys are in the same conversation or not. If you can't figure out nothing else, you need to at least be able to figure that out. Make sense? Well, if they're looking at you like a deer in the headlights, they're not paying attention to the conversation. Not enough. That's what they're going to show up. 
they might have heard something and got triggered, right? So, so mm-hmm. you, you know, here's how conversations often go. You know, you're talking, right? I mean, you're watching a TV show, right? And you're listening to it, you're watching it, you're enjoying it, and then somebody walks over and says, hey, what do you want for dinner? And then you say, oh, you know, I was thinking about turkey and, you know, whatever, right? So, and you work it out, right? And then, and then after that, you go back to the TV show. And you missed everything from the time they asked you that question until the time y'all finished that conversation. And it could be two minutes or five minutes. And then you go in and you're trying to catch up without knowing what just happened. You're trying to catch up and figure out what happened at the end. And you missed all that stuff in the middle. That's what happens to us all the time. So you'll say something, right? And then they get so caught up by the statement that you made or words you used, that they're checked out for a minute, and then they try to bring themselves back. Then when they wake up, you're three, four, five, ten sentences ahead. If you're ten sentences ahead, that means that you probably didn't notice that they checked out. Right. But if you start noticing, like, like after every paragraph or something, paragraph, two paragraphs, max, you got to stop back and say, okay, what, what you hearing what I said? You, you got to check in. Like, constant check-in is going to help you to see how they're thinking because if they're not saying the type of things that this, that, that paragraph or that sentence or that intention that you have is designed for them to, to get, then they're not hearing it the way you need them to hear it, and so you can't correct their thinking. And you got to correct their thinking because you're responsible as a coach for how they're thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Ty, what you think about what I just said, bro? I had it loud and clear. That's a for me. You got to mute me again. Say it again? That's a for me. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you know, both of y'all are parents, so some of this stuff you already have done as parents, correct? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my kids taught me a lot about coaching, and they didn't even know it yet. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god. Okay, and then the next thing is um I'll put you on back on mute again. Uh the next thing of the inspections portion of this is that you gotta make them question themselves in their conversations with you. You don't wanna make them uncomfortable, but you wanna make them question themselves so that they can have access to seeing where their blind spots, their their uh, boundaries, their assumptions are in the way. You know, it's one thing for you to check in on their thinking, but it's another thing to start teaching them how to check in on their own thinking. So you're inspecting them and they're inspecting them. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, you got to have them. See, because we have a tendency to have thoughts and we think we thought them up. No, they came to us. Oh, that's a good idea, and then we act like we thought it. it. It's like it came to us. Thinking, in reality, is asking questions and then looking for the answers. Thoughting is when an answer comes to you and you don't question it. You just take actions on it. That's one of the reasons why I say that feelings, you could say emotions, but I say feelings are terrific servants but terrible masters. Because if you have a feeling and you don't question it, the answer the answer are you gonna do something you're gonna regret later. But it felt good at the time. So uh checking in with my man, Mr. Mr. Driving back home. 
Anything, any questions you got about that, my brother? Ah, this is steak with A1 sauce. Okay, now we're talking, okay. All right, you're back on mute. You don't know it. You're back on mute. Now you know it. All right, good. Next. <laughs> Next is empowerment. So we went through holding clients accountable and then inspection, and now what we're doing is empowerment. We're going to be talking about how to empower our coaches, our clients. So you want to educate them on the context their situation exists in. So 80% of the planet has no idea really what context is. If you talk about cars, they think you're talking about cars. You could be talking about the economy and using cars as an example. You could be talking about cars as an example of a vehicle that will get you from here to Philly or Phoenix or whatever. But they're thinking you just talk about cars, the steering wheel, the gas in the car, all of that stuff. You know, you could be talking about being nourished, and they think you're talking about food when you could be talking about emotions. So context is the meaning that people give something or the meaning of the conversation, and the content is just a tool for the context. Does that communicate? Yes. Tim, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So your boy, what's his name, Misui? Is that how you say his name? I have no idea, man. I thought you pronounced it better than I did. <laughs> so, so Nasui was talking about how how women are irresponsible with their emotions when dealing with men. I can't believe that. So, so no, you can say whatever you're gonna say. We ain't going no, we ain't going deep, that deep in this. So, you can say whatever you want to say about that. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think I would have said that because I knew the outcome would have been and. So that well maybe his reasons to say that was to get you know, people riled up. But I don't think it was I don't think that would have been helpful to say that already believe it was. To talk about something like that. I mean it, it was it was off footing to me. So think. So I totally get what you're saying. His context was off. His intentions yeah. was good. His intentions yeah. were good and he had he had he had extra context in the back of his mind that he wasn't aware of, he wasn't present to. So one of the contexts he had in the back of his mind that I could see uh, is that he was still in pain from dealing with women that kicked his ass somewhere or something like that. He had pain from dealing with women in the past. That was the first thing I read, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing is he gets mad at people when they don't agree with him. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, uh, another thing is he, he likes to be right. He needs to be right. It's yeah. a so, sign of strength. Ooh, you know, not so much he, I can say about that, but I'm going to hold my word. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's you know, the whole, point, the whole point of this is to uh, understand the context that the person is speaking inside of. Yeah. And another and another thing about it, I got. I'm not 100 percent sure, but he feels like anything that's not what he agrees to. Not only does he not like people agreeing with him, but it feels threatening to him. So that's why he wants to fight. And and these think, are context. Think, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, for me, real quick, I think the issue is is he's battling these issues 
but he's not trying to find clarity. He's not trying to resolve it. It's just, it's, he's fighting, but he has to fight. Dude, stop fighting and, and allow yourself to throw your guards down and learn and listen. And that's how you right. resolve your situation. It's going through Yeah. Yeah, he's at yeah. the point where everything's everybody else's fault, not his. Yeah, that's another context he's got. And these are contexts that he thinks are just truths. But, but they're independent contexts that he hasn't examined yet. So those are fulfilling, not his, not his thoughts. Uh, right. Yeah, what he's saying was okay, but who he was being about it, his reasons behind it, his relationship to them, his worldview of them was what was was getting in the way of what he was trying to communicate. Women, please stop beating up on guys and telling the truth. Damn it! Yeah. If he just went there, it came from a hurt. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. He can't. No. For him, I I can see it came from a hurtful place that he's been in that he's feeling. And right. to me, I was to me it was like he was asking for. He was pleading to say, look, man, I'm hurting. Men like me are hurting. Please stop. But right. behind that, it was like the hurt people hurt people syndrome. Like, right. you know, I'm pissed off and I'm still hurting about it. So I want to fight. I want to piss off you ladies or people who are still defensive about this, and I want to attack you. Did you hear it? Right. So you've got to educate your clients on the context their situation exists in. The context, the context, if we could have took away all of those different contexts that he was operating inside of and then took them away so he could just talk about the thing that he was going to talk about, he may or may not even wanted to bring it up. Maybe. You know? I just, so, I, uh, one thing. No, no, say. I was, I was wondering, like, I could see he was in a sense of rage, and he was like a wounded animal, man. He was pissed off, hurt, and he was fighting everybody. But yes. I was wondering, like, what words could I use to calm him down? Like, he yes. was raging, man. He was on a rampage, man. Yeah. He was pissed off. It's like I could see him behind the screen. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Who, who the fuck you think you talking to? You talking to me. I'm right. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, well, I don't know if you noticed it, but he he kind of he calmed down about about thirty percent the next day. Yeah, because he reached out to him a little bit. He didn't say the same, but he like um, did a couple Yo, of emojis and stuff like that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I reached yeah. Out yeah. Yeah. We we had an hour and a half chat. Oh, cool. Oh, you you were able to talk to him, Tony? Yeah, we had an hour and a half chat Sunday night, Monday morning, man. Oh, that's cool, man. So you talked to him on the phone. That's what's up. No, 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 no. We didn't. We didn't talk on the phone. We was we was me- oh. messenger, Facebook messenger. Oh, okay, 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 okay. But I had him in stitches, man. He said he was a funny guy, man. He was cracking up over what I was saying, you know. <laughs> Good. You know, Good, and then man. he he also said I, he also said I dropped a lot of diamonds on him, man. Lots of rich diamonds that's on him. I dropped. What's up, man? That's yeah. That's so he he. So he's willing to listen to me. I'm like, you know, hey, can you, like, you know, try not to beat people up in the damn group or whatever. So I had to go, <laughs> at, I had, I had to go at him softly 
You know what I mean? Because because going at him yeah. hard, he's just gonna go harder. Yeah, he'll brawl him, man. He gonna throw his hands. He gonna throw his hands up. <laughs> I know, I know. But I listen. Yeah. I went to school with uh, with uh, with Mitch Blood Green, one of the few guys that Mike Tyson did not knock out. You know what I'm saying? So I know tough when I see it. <laughs> I didn't tell him that. I told him about old school. He was like, "Damn, man, you the." Damn, you old, you old head. Yeah, man, I was in Studio Fifty Four. Too bad you couldn't make it. Ha ha. We fucking chops. So anyhow, but I'm using him as I'm using him as exist as, as an example of you got to educate the, your client because when you're with your client, you're one on one most of the time or one in a group. But it's not like yeah. you're trying to interact with them while they're in the middle of their life, unless right. they call you and ask for that. You know what I mean? So those one-on-ones or one-on-threes or whatever, you got to educate them on the context that their situation exists in. So they have an opinion about their about their problem. But if we was able to teach Niusi, that's how he looks like he spells the name, uh, we was able to educate him on his context, that, that the context that his situation exists in, as well as his context that he could see how he was being. Because if he knew how he was being, I promise you, he would not want to be that way. If he knew that's what he was really doing, yeah, he, he was just been fighting a long time, man. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So I think I think I think Rebecca got this pretty clear, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she gets those yeah. stuff so much. I just just read read documents to her instead of like try to coach her, man. Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, good. So so educating them on the context their situation existed. Number one. Number two. Give them a new context. So what that looks like is, um, hey, you know, that's a good, that's a, that's an interesting way of looking at things. Would you like to hear another way of looking at things? Mm. And then they'd be like, uh, yeah, let me hear what you got, man. They'd be curious because they'd be looking to see if you're going to defend it or not. Right. So, so one of my favorite ways to do that is um, about blame. Sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite ways of getting people's attention is to talk about blame. Mm. And I let people know that there's really no such thing as blame. You think it's blame, mm. but what's happening, what's, yeah, there's no such thing as blame. Oh, you're about to learn. Okay, got it. Uh, yep. <laughs> there's no such thing as blame. The reason why there's no such thing as blame is because it's either, it's either people believe in you and they're angry that you did not do what they thought you can do, which means they believe in you. Wow. Or, or they're trying to smear you so they can get you can get out the way. Rebecca, so, you writing this down? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> right. So, so nobody oh, nobody wow. blames a five year old for not driving the car out of the driveway to the supermarket because they know he can't he or she can't do it. So if they don't do it, it's not a problem. You know, you can do it no how. What are you talking about? Who's going to let you try? You can't do that. Right? True. How are you going to blame somebody with something you know they can't do? True. But if you see somebody can do something, you know they can do it, and they don't do it, then you get angry. And you know why you get angry? Mm. You don't get angry because what's wrong with you? you? You know, you're a bum, and I blame you for, like, our failure. No, what you're angry with them is that is that they're not operating at the level of belief you have for them. Oh, we talking about parenting now? 
Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> I told you. Harrison <laughs> makes you a great coach, man. That's so. disappointment. Say it again? That's not blame, that's disappointment. Uh, it's not blame, that's what? I don't know I what you're doing there, but I can't hear you. I can't hear that last word. Yeah, me either. Disappointment. Ah, uh, okay. You got okay. some kind of metal flashing around there or something, ringing or something? That's on the motorcycle, man. Oh, y'all on the motorcycle? So what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Not me. <laughs> mm. Okay, not her. Not today. Not today. All right. Not today. So yes, yeah, not tonight. So, so you want to you want to explain people? You want to drop science on them so they'd be like, "Wow, I never thought of it like that." And now they can actually listen to you. He goes like, "Wow, he really dropped something on me. He knows some stuff I don't know." See here, what else he got? She got. Hey, hold on, you guys ever heard rain on a tin roof? Say it again. Have you ever heard rain on a tin roof? Yes. Yeah. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that sounds okay, so thanks. good. I wish thanks I for letting me know. My, well, if I was in my bed, I'd probably pass out. You tell me. Ah. Tell me. <laughs> I know what that is. Yeah, I've oh, heard it before, man. and it's more interesting because that's something I don't normally think about because, you know, being in the urban areas, you know, even if you even if you sleep on, live on the top floor, ain't hearing nothing on the roof. <laughs> oh man, you missing out. See, I'm down here in Florida, buddy. I know all about mm, that. Mm, oh my God, mm, Ooh, mm, mm, easy. Love it. Mm. Okay, all right. So um, let me keep going here. Let me keep going here. Um, and, um, we are doing empowerment. So when you give people a new context, they feel lighter because they feel like they can see and do more than they thought they could before. That's why you want to give people uh, an empowering context as much as possible. So um, one of the ways to uh, empower the person, the next one, the first one was empower, uh, educate them on the context the situation exists in. The second one is to give them a new context. I just gave you all an example of that, right? Steak, meat, er, right? <laughs> the third one, is to persuade them to give up being right or to give up being stuck. And how you do that, again, is to give them new ways of looking at things. Mm. See, one of the things you're going to see is that the same technique solves multiple problems. Really? So, so give, giving them a new way of looking at things could persuade them to start, give up being stuck to show them that their situation is different than they think it is, to show them how to create a new context, to help them to hold themselves accountable, to have them start inspecting their own thing. One technique can help them in lots of different ways. So if you're trying to help somebody give up being stuck or give up being right, you might open up a can of worms that they'd be happy that you released from them because you might open up three or four other things at the same time. So you want to see... You want to always be checking in on what just happened. Or what did you just get? Or did you get anything at all? You know what I mean? Yeah. How long does it take how long does it take to figure out like a person's cues that you're coaching? So you so you'll know when to listen, like when they sigh or when they make a gesture. You know, a lot of times I go, Whoa, or I make something real loud, you're like, Oh, she's learning something. You know, but mm. how long does it take to to uh 
learn or, or well, yeah, learn the person you're coaching. Learn their gestures. Or... It's going to take you, I'm going to say, seriously, probably 10 to 15 people that you coach for you finally be able to tell that on your own, man. Uh, I'm going to say you can't tell, so you need to, you need to be um, checking in after every powerful statement, really, just about. Wow. Uh, yeah, you just got to okay. keep checking in, and if they don't sound like the, what they they don't sound like they're listening, you might have to go back again. If they sound like they're listening, but they heard the wrong thing, you might have to go in again. If they heard the right thing, you might want to ask them to give you an example or to tell you something what does that sound like or you know like that. But well, sometimes you right. have to do that. So what you really want to do is you want to hear them be able to say what you said, but their way, and right. still be accurate. That's what you're right. looking for. Right. And you're hoping that they say something you never heard before. That's even better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, but but at, but at least they said something that makes sense that's that's uh, similar to or in harmony to what you just dropped on them, you know? Right. Okay. So the next thing of in empowerment is to help them to create and maintain standards. So people don't know that they have standards because the people who don't know they have standards, their standards are below their real standards. <laughs> wow. and, people, and people who live by standards are usually very high-powered, and they will, need, they will be actually willing to be uh, corrected, willing to be upgraded. Uh, the higher a person's standards are, the, the, the better they are at um, having their life work, the more willing they are to have their life work, it's amazing. You want people to have as the highest standard as is possible because they won't put up with nonsense and they'll hold themselves to that standard. It's kind of like in the automobile industry, right, on the assembly line, you know, they got quality control standards. If this thing don't meet this standard, take it off the line, it's going to destroy the whole car, right? Mm-hmm. So the quality of control for humans is standards, and the standards are the, the principles that they choose to live their life by and hold themselves accountable to. So you want to listen to what their standards are, help them create and maintain them. We'll be talking about standards, believe me. Uh, we're just not going to do it now because it's going to take too long. But you guys already have standards yourselves. I mean, Tim... You definitely got to have some standards because if you didn't, you would not be married right now. Or you'd have like four more, or you'd have four more baby mamas or something because these women, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to yeah. be showing up some standards. Yeah, Otherwise, you'd be, you'd be in, yeah. It's, you'd be, it's funny because since I've been writing and using Facebook as my primary platform to get real-time yeah. feedback, I've been realizing, like, Wow, man. Um, yeah, the, the standard market varies uh, quite a bit. Quite a bit from what mm-hmm. I what I thought it was. I yeah. thought it would be. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 So, and heck, Rebecca, she got her standards, high standards, too. Otherwise, she one, she wouldn't be able to understand me, too. She wouldn't be able to crack me up half the time she does. And uh, three, when she shared me, with me something today, um, I'm, I'm going to tell them what you said to me about, you know, you're writing, all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, so she was talking about how she writes, how much she loves him, and then she writes also how much she hates him, and then she lets him read it, and then they talk about it. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because that's beautiful. That's cool. I've never thought of that. That is awesome. Like, being able to do that within their relationship is like... A lot of people can't do that. That's, I know. that's unique. That's awesome, dude. I, I know. know. I, I heard that. I was like, damn, that sounds like, like, that sound like fully matured fourth grade love. I swear to God. <laughs> but it's still love. I hate you, I hate you but I love you. <laughs> if you can't tell your partner, I mean, in written words or in verbal words or whatever, if you can't tell yeah. your partner all the reasons why you can't stand them right in that moment, you're not their partner. I know. I'm telling you, I've never thought of that though. I've never thought of that. Oh, Listen, you understand? You understand how high? You understand how high her her standards around authenticity and vulnerability are around this and being straight? Man, I want to. Please, I'm mad. I'm trying to tell you. I'm wow. <laughs> I ain't never heard that neither, uh, man. I've been doing this for what? How long, man? I ain't never heard that. that. I love that. Oh amazing, my god. Dude. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, honey, I'm sorry. Listen, I see this. This yeah. makes sense. Okay, what are you going to do? Okay, I love you guys. That is Damn it. cool. <laughs> well, I love you tomorrow when you fix this shit here. It's like, okay, I, I've, been knowing my, I've been knowing my wife since I was 16 years old. I'm 37. And we've been together, what, that makes 20 years, something like that? I yep. think if I write a hate you letter, I believe I'm going to slide it under the door and get in my car and drive down the street first. Before she leaves. <laughs> Just in case. It seems okay. <laughs> but now you can oh, let her man. do it. You, you can let her do it. You'll survive. Oh, man, I don't think I, don't think I want to read that one. <laughs> but y'all got listen, listen. Y'all got your ways of oh, handling it, so it's all good. Y'all handle yourself oh, different, so it's all good. Oh, that'd be so funny. That's what I gotta tell about this. Tomorrow's birthday too, so I should have to do it on my birthday. I, I don't like yelling. I I do not like any kind of like in your face conversation at all. I I just shy away from it. It hurts. I don't like mm. it. Yeah. So. I would rather just write it down. That's what I do. Love it. I swear, that's like fourth grade love. (laughs) And fourth grade love is the best love as far as I'm concerned. They ain't got... I'm I'm with you. (laughs) It's such a beautiful date. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, cool. So, yeah, she's got standards for sure. All right. Next, in the empowerment zone, the fifth of the five things is that you got to help them see what they're great at. Excuse me. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'd cough at that too if I had never heard it before. <laughs> so, so, so you want to see what they're great at, and then help them to see what they're great at. You know, um, because the more they're great, the more they you help them see they're great, the more they'll see you as an asset. The more they'll want to listen to you, and the more the people around them will benefit. But mainly, the more they'll listen to you. And the more they appreciate you. And, you know, from a dollar cent standpoint, there's likely that they're going to want to send some referrals to you because you help them see what they're great at. And they're going to be like, oh, damn. Oh, you got to talk to Tony, man. Really. So, um, yeah, those are the steps in empowerment. 
um, next. Um, that, that's pretty clear, right? We ain't got to go nowhere with that, right? Nah, cool. So the next thing is to instill rigor. We're going to talk about rigor, mastery, and completion, and then I'm going to leave it right there for tonight. So instilling rigor. Uh, rigor is um, by the books, um, <coughs> etiquette type of mindset. Like, no, we do it this way. So, and you don't break your rules. Rigor would be like, um, an extreme version of rigor would be like you're one of the uh, guards in front of the, uh, uh, the the queen's palace in England with those guys with the big furry hats. They stand there with their guns, and they don't move a muscle the whole time they're on duty. That's rigor. That's extreme rigor. They can't go. You better go to the bathroom beforehand, learn how to drink so that you don't feel like you got to pee while you're on duty because you're standing there the whole time live with your gun, and you ain't doing nothing but standing there until you get relieved of duty. That's major rigor. Man, you can't even itch. Scratch an itch. You got to stand there. I'm like, that ain't a job I'd ever want to take on, but that takes some rigor. Military rigor. So you want to actually add, like, responsibility as rigor in your in your uh, relationship with them. So let me um, help you with that. Let me describe that. So the first thing is to, you got to follow your intuition on whether or not it feels like they're being rigorous with themselves or not. So you got to check in with yourself. Your intuition may not tell you something. Because sometimes, here's the interesting thing about intuition. Sometimes your intuition will will tell you something. But when you follow your intuition, it gives you something else you never thought of before. It's almost your intuition saying, I want to give you a result, but you probably won't get it if I tell you it directly. <laughs> Have you all ever had that experience where you... It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you follow your intuition. You're like, "What the hell happened?" And then a day later, something else happened that was better than what you thought, or worse than what you thought, but you should have done it anyhow. You know what I mean? So, but you yeah. still got to follow it anyhow if you plan on getting to the truth and making things work. So you got to follow your intuition to see what's going on with them. Number two is uh, you be straight and make them straight in communication. Make them communicate straight. You know, it's similar to. Um, getting to the truth quickly and thoroughly. Right. Kind of like that. But you want them to have, you know, rigor is, um, you could call it responsible habits. Responsible habits and ways of being. Um, yeah, you know, like, like when you're in the military, you, you got to dress a certain way. You can't be letting your clothes hang off or whatever. And... Um, you know, and so you want to bring as much rigor as necessary, but only as much as is necessary with your people. You know, me, I don't worry that much about rigor, but for some people, rigor is like a very great tool for them as a coach. So I'm including all the things that work, not necessarily everything that I personally will do, because I do have ways I can compensate. So for me, empower me, empowering people, for me personally, is way more effective um, or, or, or as, a, as a way of my natural way of doing things, empowering um, and inspection is way better than holding people accountable or instilling rigor. But that's just me. I, but I know me well enough to be able to know that. Um, right. You know, because, because, you know, the next two things I also do very well as well, which I'll talk about in a minute, which, you know, a few minutes, mastery and completion. 
So, you know, those four things that I'm good at, uh, I don't need to do the other two things, but there's some people, that's their best gifts, and I don't want them missing out on it. And I don't want their clients missing out on it either. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, you being straight and making them straight in communication makes everybody happy once they actually do that as a habit, as a way of being. You know, like you're in a class and the teacher, you know, if you don't talk the way, you don't raise your hands the way the teacher says you're supposed to or operate with the practices and procedures in the class, teacher either tell you to shut up, sit in the corner, go to the team, dean's office or whatever. I'm not putting up with no stuff. You broke the law just the way it goes, right? So, yeah. you know, you, you want to find the degree to which you can do that or need to do that should you do that. Because I know you all, do, you all have, have done it and, you know, do it with your kids. Um, I know um, um, uh, Rebecca's kids is older than yours. Oh, I don't know. Maybe not. How old are your uh, uh, kids, um, Rebecca? My youngest is 17 and my oldest is me. 26? Yeah. Yeah, so she probably need a little bit less rigor with the 26-year-old than, you know, you probably have to do it with yours, uh, Tim, right? <laughs> A little bit, un poquito. Man. <laughs> yeah, I get uh, it. Okay, next. Um, you want to be straight with them and have them straight with you. Next, make sure the assignments get done as requ- as requested. That's got to happen. They got to they gotta be doing the assignments as requested because that's part of the learning process. It's not like... You know, people don't want to do homework because, oh, man, I don't want to do the homework. No, but that's your lesson. That's how, that's part of the learning. So they got to do the assignments as requested. Or they can't. you can't guarantee that, the, that they're going to get the results that they say that they came to get. So that's one thing you got to hold them to. So um, the next thing is... Um, you know, sometimes you want to create ground rules with your clients. I recommend you do that because that will help you just instill rigor um, to, to be able to inspect them and all of that stuff, to see what their relationship is to ground rules and stuff. So you definitely um, want to create or maintain some ground rules, whatever that is for you. So, you know, be on time, do the assignments the way you want to do it. We could talk about ground rules at another time. Um, but... You you do want to at least have some kind of an agreement to the ground rules, even if it's we're gonna have ninety minute calls. We're gonna send you, I'm gonna send you an email with the notes every after forty within forty eight hours, and um, you know I'm gonna get a recording. I'll put it up on Dropbox. Blah blah blah. That could be part of it. You know, be on time, do the assignments. You know, and it was, you also got to see what works for you, that works for your clients. Right. So you want to be clear about that. You know, you got ground rules with your kids, so y'all understand ground rules. You just got to see what works for you. And I'm not sure how we want to do this as a business, but I just want to put it in the concept called ground rules, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. And then the last is to maintain the integrity of the program and the coach-client relationship. So however the, the program is designed to go, you want to be able to manage that. And then also the coach-client relationship. So at a later date, what I'm going to be doing is um, going through what I call a bulletproof proposal that I actually learned from a business consultant 
Um, one of his books is called uh, Million Dollar Consulting. It's like, oh, my God. It's, it's an oh, my God setup. <laughs> and um, uh, what I want to say about that it is um, it teaches you how to create a coach-client relationship. So I've got a foundation for it, like a fundamental about it, and we're going to get to that during this program. We're going to add that into this program. Um, but you want to know what the coach-client relationship is. Whatever you create, you got to maintain it. If you can't maintain your part, that program, your, your, your coaching agreement is going to go in the toilet. It's just, it's just gone at nine times out of ten because they're going to be like, oh, well, he ain't, he ain't that tough. <laughs> she ain't that tough, whatever. Um, right. if, if, if you're not strong enough for them, then, you know, it's just going to weaken your credibility with them. So, All right, so that's uh, okay. instilling rigor. Um and then, uh, so there's two more sections I'm going to cover, and then we're going to call it a night. Uh, the, the first one is called mastery. So there's four levels of uh, mastery, I guess you could, could call it, four levels of effectiveness, I'll call it that. Um, it is, uh, you may have heard of it. Uh, if not, then I guess you're going to hear it. Um, it's called unconsciously incompetent. That means you don't know that you don't, what you don't know, and you don't even know you don't know you don't know it. It would be like Julius Caesar not knowing about air conditioning. Mm. Make sense? He don't know it, and he don't even know he don't know it. What the hell is that? Right. I'm sorry. Right, you're good, man. You're good. What happened? No, I'm a neighbor. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so then uh, the second level is is consciously incompetent. Oh, I don't know that. I know I don't know that. That's called consciously incompetent. That's the first. When you're dealing with a client and you start talking about whatever it is, the, odds, the first level when you can actually have a conversation about something is when they are consciously incompetent. Like, I do, I don't know nothing about that. Wow. So, yeah, before then, they can't even, like, huh? That's <laughs> unconsciously incompetent. No clue that they don't have a clue about what they don't have a clue about. The next level is, gee, I know that I don't know that. Like, you know you don't know how to do heart surgery, <laughs> right? But you know that. You are consciously incompetent when it comes to heart surgery or sculpting or air ballooning or whatever, right? So um, then the third level is um, conscious competence. I know what I know, and I know how to do it. And you consciously can produce results, Um you know, that would be, you know, doing the job that you know how to do, unless you're so great at the job, you could do it without thinking. Um, but, you know, writing, um, you know, doing laundry, you know, those are things you know how to do and you're conscious of the fact you know how to do it. And then there are some things where you're so good at it, you don't even have to think about it. Driving is a typical one. People are so naturally good at driving that they don't realize how well they're driving, how effectively they're driving, they're unconsciously competent. They're not even conscious and they're fully competent doing it. Yeah. When, a, when, a, when a basketball player is, is uh, in the zone, he's unconsciously competent while he's in the zone. He's not even clear what he's doing, how he's doing it. He's just doing it. You know? <laughs> he could be scratching his head and talking to his wife while he's scoring three three-pointers in a row. You know, he's unconsciously competent. Yeah. Like, I remember one time I saw Michael Jordan. He hit seven three-pointers in a row 
the seventh one, he walked, he you know, was, was running back to on defense, and he had his hands up like he was apologizing. Like, huh? I didn't, I, I can't even explain this. He had that look in his face, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm so great. I don't even know that. How can I be? What? I don't, I don't know. I can't explain it. Seven. I've been, I've just been happy. But, you know, he just was so embarrassed because it was like, huh? How'd that happen? <laughs> that's how unconscious, that's how competent he was. He was unconscious of his competence. I'll tell you one more story uh, um, that, that blew my mind, and then I'm, I'm going to keep it moving. But uh, Larry Bird, y'all both heard of Larry Bird, right? Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Larry Bird was the man, I got to say. He did a commercial, um, some kind of commercial, where he was supposed to miss a three-pointer. But he needed to take nine shots to miss his three pointer. Wow. He couldn't miss. <laughs> he hit in the roll. No, no, you got to miss. Oh, sorry. <laughs> wow. Apologizing for shooting, for scoring. <laughs> that's Larry Man, that's, that's called unconsciously incompetent. He can't even do it wrong. That's what's possible. Ever. Say that again? Have you ever heard him talk? Yeah, he talked like a country bumpkin. He is the dumbest <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's stupid. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but somehow he was thinking when he was on the court. He used to do some amazing stuff. Anyhow, I just use those as examples around mastery because what you want to do is you want to have your clients, you want to watch them. You don't have to talk about mastery. You want to watch where they are on this, on those four levels so that you can help them to get to the last level, unconscious competence. They're so good, they don't even notice how good they are. They can do it in their sleep. So yeah. um, that's the concept of mastery. Um, and then, um, and I can go deeper in it, but I'm not going to necessarily do that right now. Um, but what I will do is just talk about some of the practices that you want to do in terms of having mastery be a part of their coaching experience. You ready? Yep. So you got to instill first, you got to instill repetition. They got to keep practicing and repetition. They got to keep trying, keep practicing, keep practicing. Repetition. You got to instill repetition in them in the areas that you need to. And so let me be more specific about that. When you are um, working with a client, you could be doing strategic coaching. You could be doing technique coaching. You could be doing accountability coaching. The odds are accountability coaching and technique coaching, you're going to be doing more repetition than if you're doing strategy coaching. Right now we're doing strategy coaching with a little technique. So it's like hard to do repetition when you're over there trying to figure out the mindset and the patterns and the systems inside of something, when and where to do what you got to do, as opposed to what to do. We were talking about what to do more than, you know, repetition would be useful. Uh, does that communicate? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, and I'm glad we recording these because I'm like, man, y'all, y'all, y'all ain't gonna remember this. You need to hear this again. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying so much here. Um, so you got to instill repetition in your clients. Next is you got to be testing them. Sometimes the test looks like you're inspecting them. 
sometimes the test is you just ask him a question outright and see what they, how they come up with an answer. But you want to be testing them. You don't want to take them necessarily at their word, not because you don't trust them, because you want to ensure that they actually do what, what you want them to do. Right. Um, third is you want to give them tangible examples so it sticks in their heart and in their brain. So they can't be like, what did he say again? It's a tangible example. Oh, yeah. Like that. Um, you know, there will be times when you will have them teach you what they learned. So you'll be like, okay, you you deliver that this whole section to me. Let me hear what you got. And then they'll do that. And then you'll hear what they did and didn't get. And nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, nine times out of ten, when they do that, they're going to be plenty they didn't get, <laughs> which is good mm-hmm. because now they then because when people hear what they hear and it makes sense, they will remember it, but that don't mean they're going to be able to apply it or internalize it. Right. So you want to have them repeat to you or teach you what they've been saying. You know? um, heck, I might have to have you all do that here. I don't know at the end of this. You know? We'll see. No, I think that would be a good idea, man. I really actually do think that. That's what made me say, like, hmm, maybe at the end of this, y'all teach me this program. See what y'all say. Because yeah. what's really important is that you do notice so well that you can teach others so I can keep creating. Mm-hmm. I'll create some more stuff while y'all managing the, the team. So right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, good. And then have them learn and implement the levels of mastery. So the first level of implementation of the of levels of mastery <clears throat> is what I had just talked about. That's like a, um, how do they call it in intellectual property? That is a uh, uh, open domain. It's like open pro- open open property. I forget what they call it. But um, it's like a, a, a public domain information. That's what it's called. <clears throat> where nobody has a uh, intellectual property on it. You can't put any intellectual property on it. You can all use it all you want. So uh, the conscious competence, the competency scale would be the first level of mastery. Then the second level, level that I would be having us work from, I'll just tell it to you quickly. You ain't got to try to remember it, but uh, I know Rebecca's going to write it down. So uh, <laughs> is I, call it the four, I call it the four pillars of mastery. So the four pillars of mastery are in order because you got to master them in order in order for you to be fully masterful. Um, and so the first level is to know what to do, to be masterful in doing. The second level, uh, second pillar, is to be masterful in maintaining your beingness. Like like you can't be shaken no matter what. Um, the third level, the third pillar of mastery is creativity because you understand the fundamentals of both being and doing so much. If something comes up that's not a part of the fundamentals that, that, that you've never seen before, you'll be able to use the fundamentals to create solutions, um, you know, ma- as masterfully as possible because you understand the fundamentals so much you can create with it. But, but you actually know that now. And then the fourth level of mastery is called wisdom, fourth pillar called wisdom, and wisdom is knowing which of the first three you should use, when, and how long, and all that, how to use them interchangeably. Um, and then um, then there's levels from one to ten at each one of the four pillars. So that's my, um, uh, we will definitely, 
um, be doing, uh, uh, going through that at a certain stage of this, uh, pro- this stuff, this process. But uh, I just wanted to give that to you now. We'll be talking about it later. I wanted to be sound like it's familiar to you when we do talk about it. Uh, any questions about any of this uh, mastery thing with so far? No, it's good. Huh? I'm good. Very good. Tim, you still there? Uh huh. That's what I thought. He's either on silent, dropped his phone, or something. He's no, on. What's I, going? it was muted, man. I was saying, yeah. Oh. Okay, because I'm saying I still see you on my screen, so I know you're still there. So, (laughs) and then the last piece we're going to talk about is completion. And again, everything I'm talking about here is what I call coach speak. These are the languaging tools of coaching. Okay, so this last piece is called completion. So completion is when you actually are able to have something complete, meaning. Like, we think that if we complete something, it's over, it's done, there's nothing else to do, right? Like, you complete a project like building a, a building an apartment complex. When you put the last brick in there and the last wire in there and then you have a celebration, it's complete. But you've been, going, you've been ongoingly complete the whole time you've been building it. First, you've got to complete, you know, the foundation. Then you've got to complete, you know, the, the, the wall structure. And then you got to complete the pipe, the wiring, and the, and the piping. And each time you go to this piece to that piece, you got to be ongoingly complete. Otherwise, you won't be able to do the next thing. So, um, does that does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Completion completion is ongoing. It's not a final completion. So you know, understanding that. Allows it makes it easier for you to be able to maintain uh, um, having your clients get their rules and regulations in order, um, you know things of that nature. So okay, you completed this piece, good. That's out the way. Next thing you got to complete. It's kind of like that. So um, as a concept, as a as a yeah, as a concept, as a context, as a way of life, as a coach. Um, so. Um, what you want to do uh, of the five things that I have here, the first thing is to declare things complete whenever possible. Okay, so you've completed your exercise for today. Great, I declare that complete. Now it's forever done. Um, You know, if you do an exercise, for example, or uh, you had a conversation with your sister and that went right, it went well, great, I declare that complete. Whatever. You you know, you don't have to do that, but when, when it makes sense, you should do that. So they don't have – one of the reasons why you want to do that is this. You, you don't complete stuff. You just finish stuff, and it is a part of your past, and then that has you live like you're in the past. But when you're able to declare something complete, what you're really doing is you're declaring. And when you declare something, there's nothing else with this declaration. It's like closing the book. It's like saying I do at the altar. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no undoing I do until you go to court. And even if you even if you get divorced, you were still declared married from the time you said I do to the time you got divorced. That's never that time period is never undone. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. So 
you completed the process of being married. Now you're married forevermore, at least until you get a divorce, right? But even still, you're still married during that time period no matter what. Mm-hmm. So declaring something complete is like putting the closing a book on something, but it makes it permanent at the same time. And it gives you freedom to start newly so that you have the freedom, the power to start new without the baggage of the past in front of you. Make sense? Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. You guys ever heard that before or this is new? This is new. Good. I like it. Okay, great. So yeah, so you wanna <laughs> you wanna declare things complete whenever possible, whenever it makes sense. Secondly, you wanna constantly separate the past from the present. I wish we could have did that with my man Nayusi because mm-hmm. he had his past in front of him and he was speaking with his past in mind. He was acting with his past in mind. Um, you know, the past of the ladies that did what they did. You know, he's angry, I'm going to prove myself, and all the other stuff he said earlier. He was coming from his past. Even this statement was past-based itself. It wasn't about the future. It's about what happened all the time. What always happened, or almost always happened. Women got to get their stuff together. He was coming from the past. All of it was past-based. Yeah. Right? So you want to separate the past from the present. That's one way to really bring peace to people when you get a chance to do that, when you know how to do that. Get them, listen, that, you, that's what, that, that happened back in the day, man. I'm not saying it's not important, but let's figure out how we can complete this. You could come from nothing or come from the future and create some new stuff. Hmm. Right. Hmm. So let me say more about that. I'm glad you heard. You said hmm. That sounded like a good hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that today, but today I posted something about how come women, how come people, not women, how come people, you know, get so so disgusted and so hurt, or what? I didn't use the word disgusted, but like get so frustrated with their, and quit, resign with their failure rather than try to learn something. I mean, why did, why would you? be so upset that you don't even want to learn anything about something that's so important to you or something like that. You know, you, you guys sort of pay a post I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I, I do. You said why, yeah. why do people want to learn when they're when they're hurting? I don't remember right. how you it either, but, um, yeah. but I, I remember what my reply was is, is that when you don't get any clarity when, you, when your heart is hurting, you know, you right. have to heal. Right. See, those people were not separating the past from the present. Right. That's one of the issues. They still in the past. It's just the past is happening right now. Oh, he did this to me again. Oh, my God. And so they're doing insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Because they're still living in the past rather than in the present. Right. I was talking to I was talking to a friend today that lives in Bulgaria, and she was talking about she met a guy. He seems like the perfect guy. She's like, "Oh my God, I'm I'm worried that this is the perfect guy." Now, why would you say you worry that this is the perfect guy? You worried he's the perfect guy. So when she was present, what I was present to is that um, she could she needed to expand her capacity to receive love. And that was you know a, a, a big part of it. You know, can you give yourself permission to, like, have all the love there is to give, to get, please? 
wake up, separating the past from the present, you know, because she was dealing with, you know, all the things that she was expecting that could have, you know, been a problem, you know, from past mistakes or past problems. So they're looking out for, is it going to happen again? They got to separate the past. They got to put close the book on the past so they can have a new present and a new future. That's a big part of your job as a coach. You're going to be doing that on a regular basis. Make sense? Communicates? Yeah. Yep. Anything you want to say about that, uh, young man? No. No, I don't. Okay. Um, hmm. Hmm. I'm going to be thinking about that for a little while. Good. Good. Okay, great. Next. Have them give up resisting what's bothering them. So, there's a saying, what you resist persists. You ever heard of it? Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah. So, when somebody's resisting it, what they're really doing is keeping it in front of them. Because they don't like it, but it's like they don't want to feel it. So they're like, no, they're a no to it. But their no means that they got to have something in front of them to say no to. Because mm. mm-hmm. if they wasn't resisting it, they would just go away and next the next scenario would come up. Mm-hmm. With resisting something is is being angry with the past. Almost like you want to get revenge against it. Or you want to make it go away. But making the past go away is not going to go away by resisting what happened. No, you can't tell me this. I got to try harder. Or whatever it is that they're doing that's like more of the same. So whatever's bothering them, what would be good is they could receive it and not be happy with it, but allow it. So I'll give you an example. This example blew my mind. I think I was 20 or 21, and I was living in Harlem, had my own place, and I was going to go out and meet somebody, a friend of mine, right? But I couldn't find my keys. Oh, man, I was so pissed off with these keys. I couldn't find a lot. For 15 minutes, I'm walking around this apartment. You understand, it's a one-bedroom apartment. It wasn't that many rooms. It was a bedroom, a living room, a bathroom, and a kitchen. That's it. Like, how could I not find my keys? And I got so frustrated, I sat down and said, you know what? I can't find my keys. I just sat down. And then all of a sudden, within 30 seconds, I got up and I walked straight to my keys. I didn't know I walked straight to my keys until they hit my hand. Wow. <laughs> I stopped wow. resisting that I couldn't find my keys. I didn't do that on purpose. I just kind of like gave up and said, you know what? <sighs> okay, I can't find my keys. Hmm. And the next thing you know, I walked up. I not, My brain didn't even say go there. It's like my body walked me to my keys. That was amazing. But that was the first time I ever was conscious of surrendering to negative experiences that I was dealing with. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was that was that was mind blowing for me, so um you want your clients to be able to do the same thing. Wow, you know what? She's never gonna love me. 
And when a, when when a guy or a woman, you know, has that kind of a thought, that's the first time that that experience can go away. Because what you resist persists. What you face disappears. Hmm. So it's counterintuitive, but it's true. I've seen it happen in my life enough times. I've seen it happen in other people's lives enough times. Mm-hmm. Happened to mine. Yeah, yeah, man, what you face, man, goes away. And then you sit yep. there thinking, like, I can't believe I was thinking about that. Or, God, yep. that wasn't even really, you know, all that serious, man. Yep. Yeah. So you want your you want to have help? You want to be the source of your clients facing the, the truth that they don't want to deal with? Or you want to teach them how to do it on their own, which is actually even better. Right. Yeah. It gives them strength. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be extremely vulnerable with you all right this minute. So um, I forgot where I was um, a couple of weeks ago, but um, I knew that I had to leave a uh, place because y'all, 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 I think y'all both know I'm couch surfing. Uh, I don't have my own place. So I was sitting in one place, and I knew I was going to have to leave. And I was like, you know what? I don't know where I'm going to go. And I just let it go. And then I got a call, oh, a couple of hours later. Friend, I ain't talked to her in a long time. And she calls me up, and we talking, and she was looking for somebody to be a roommate for her. And we was talking, and she's like, you ain't got a place? You can stay here. Come on. Come on over here. So I've been over here for the last two weeks, and then she's like, you know, I got to go. Like, um, I got I to gotta be out by Sunday. And um, so I was like, wow, you know what? I got to go out Sunday. I don't know where I'm going to go, but, you know, I know it's going to work out. I let it go. Uh, I don't know, an hour and a half later or maybe a couple of hours later, I called a friend of mine in Philly to tell her I had had some success in women's. And, and she's like, so what are you doing between November 7th and the 21? <laughs> she wanted me to be over uh, there because my mom's going to be out of town, and so she needs to have somebody to keep an eye on her eight-year-old son was a good friend of mine. And um, so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to Philly for a couple of months, for a couple of weeks. And I did not know before I got off, before, before I went, you know, when I, when I had that conversation this morning, I didn't know where I was going to be at, but then I let it go. Like, don't resist, you know? So yeah. I'm saying that teaching your clients to not resist, they're going to get miracles because they accept the reality that's in front of them. And then reality will take care of them because that's what reality, that's what life does for us anyhow. That just wow. happened in the last couple of weeks. Like, what? I can't wait until I stop uh-huh. resisting not having an apartment so I can get one. But in the meantime, I'm I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, man. Wow. This is, uh, I was thinking about that. Wow. Got to stop resisting, man. Yeah, well, I'm going to stop. <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying I'm sorry. I'm talking to myself right now. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else is great? You know it's a great place to teach people how to stop resisting. Perfect place is when people are hearing the people in their life talking and they don't want to hear what this person the person's gotta say. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're talking, when your parent is telling you the same damn story they've been telling you since you was five about you, yeah, 
you got to stop resisting it and listen to it. So you can have that be a case. I know I've had experience of that with myself. And my dad told me the same story for 22 years. And then yeah. I really listened to him one time, and then he didn't tell it to me for the rest of his life, and he lived another eight years. Because I finally heard him. So resisting people talking to you, it, the best thing you can do is listen to them more, not less. Stop resisting. Mm-hmm. So you want your clients to stop resisting. You don't want them to resist you. You don't want them to resist the people that they're dealing with. You don't want them to resist their fa- failures. You don't want to resist their pain. No, because they ain't going to get the results as long as they're resistant. Even if you're that's a great like coach, number, it's going to be hard. Like, that's like number one. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, my son has been sitting in the room this whole time. He just so got say that again? My son has been sitting in the room this whole time and just got up and left. Oh, uh, I know that. it. Can, can he hear the conversation? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So he stopped resisting. Either he stopped resisting or you stopped resisting. Who resisted? Who stopped resisting? It was you? <laughs> huh? Hey. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, I'm happy. I'm raising my hands in, you know, championship race, hand race. There you go. All right. Pat back. Okay. Yay. All right. So you got to have your clients give up resisting what's bothering them. Next. You want to create start and end times to whatever's being created. So, you know, you got a coaching client thing. Uh, one of the ground rules that I have is, yeah, the call's going to be 90 minutes, but if it takes longer for you to get it, I'm going to stay in there until you get it because I'm more committed to you getting it than I am to how long it takes. So if the call goes over. what that was? Excuse me? Can you repeat what that was? I had it too yeah, back. Yes. Yeah, include start and end times to whatever's being created. Okay. Yeah, so whether you're, you know, talking about, you know, the creation of your coaching agreement or, you know, you are taking the time to, um, you know, let them know how long the session is going to be or, you know, if they say they, they got an assignment or, you know, they're working on having a breakthrough by X date, Whatever that is, you want to have you want to include starting end times to whatever is being created. That's part of completion. And then uh, the last piece for tonight, and the last piece of completion is to have them get in communication with whoever they need to, in order to experience being complete. So, if they're having some upsets, they need to go talk to the people they're having upsets with. Otherwise, they're going to carry that upset around. Forever, if you don't support them in getting that handled. I remember one time I did this communication course, and it was like they talked about this thing, this distinction called automatic recurring dialogue. And automatic recurring dialogue is basically the same conversation over and over again. It may sound a little different, but it's the same discussion, whether it's the argument, happiness, whatever, right? So um, in between sessions, I went to my old job. And I was working back in the day as a uh, mortgage um, broker, um, but I wasn't all that good at it, but, I, you know, whatever. So I went back, and I apologized because I was resisting 
my manager telling me what to do. I'm like, he don't understand me, man. I don't know what he's talking about, but I, I ain't that kind of guy, right? So whatever. So um, I went to I went to go see him, and um, this was in 2005. Two, yeah, end of 2005. I went to go see him, and I apologized. I said, hey, man, I got to tell you, man, I just learned something in this communication course that, uh, you know, I resist being told what to do, and I apologize because I know you did your best with me and, and all of that, so I just want to clean up with you, man. I, I, I trust and respect you. I like you and all that stuff, right? So after about, uh, you know, five minutes of me sharing with him, sitting in his office, he says, yeah, okay, you know, that's uh, thank you for saying that and all that. And then he spent the next 45 minutes telling me what to do. Wow. <laughs> I had to keep breathing. I had to keep letting him. I had to keep relaxing. I had to keep I had to keep. Stop resisting. I had to continuously remind myself, don't resist, just get it. Just, okay, all right, come on. And then at the end of 45 minutes, guess what he did? He offered me my job back, but he told me I had to take it right then and there. I couldn't leave and come back. I had quit six months earlier. Wow. Right. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can't. You want to. You want people to stop talking to you and driving you crazy. You got to listen to them more, not less. I listen to them completely, and you know what? I worked for him for another Ooh. year. I worked for yeah. him for another year, and he never, he never did that to me ever again. Hmm. He tried to mentor me, but he never tried to like micromanage and bully me. He didn't. He just didn't. He started seeing stuff in me that he that he saw was great, even though, you know, I wasn't I wasn't a guy that was not what I should be doing. That was not my realm. But but as painful as it was, I didn't resist it, and I got another year working with the guy and learning some skills and, you know, <laughs> it's freaking amazing. Like you got to be kidding me, y'all. So, um, you got to have your people get in communication with whoever whoever. They need to be in communication with in order to experience being complete. You know, you have those conversations where, you know, you restore the relationship or you know it's never going to be restored and you accept it. And, you know, like the past is not in your face because with the past in your face, you got no real future. You're just going to have the same. You got, your future going to be like just like the past has always been over and over and over and over and over again. So that's completion. That's coach speak. Those are coach practices rather than strategies and methodologies. So uh, what you thinking, yo? (laughs) (sighs) A lot of work. He's dropping a lot lot of nuggets. I like it, though. Good. This is what I want. Notes. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I wanted. Yeah, well, there's plenty more coming, bro. Just saying. There's more coming. Um, just saying. All right. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling what you're saying. I like it. Good. Mm-hmm. 
Um, anything you want to say besides, you know, this is awesome? Stop resisting. <laughs> that's the word that's ringing in my head right now. <laughs> well, thank you for not resisting. Stop resisting, Dana. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Okay. So, um, that's all I got. So, listen, feel free if y'all want to, you know, get inspired to say, hey, what should I do? But I really do encourage y'all to uh, listen to, you know, this whenever you get a chance. Uh, have y'all uh, seen um, the uh, – have y'all gotten the, the Dropbox folder on this yet? Because I need to see if I actually – did I actually do that? I should have. I know I want yeah. to. No, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. I haven't looked, man. Rebecca, you said uh, you did get that though, right? The invite to the drop off folder. I haven't, I haven't gone to look, but I got the notification. Mm. Okay, okay, good, good. That's all. That's that's the main thing. So good. Okay, so um, there's your note. I, okay, I just see it showing up on my computer there. Yeah, awesome. All right, so um, anything y'all want to say in closing? Because I'm about to end the recording. Nah, I'm good, man. It was a great session. Okay. All right, good. So let me end the core recording, but don't go nowhere. Hold on. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.